Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. everyone. I'm Comma Splice, uh, Grammar Saves Lives on Tumblr. And if you're wondering where the other regulars are, don't worry, I did not stage a coup. Uh, due to circumstances beyond our control, they had to step out for this episode, but they'll be back next week. Luckily, I am joined here tonight by our special guests, uh, Josie. Hi, I'm Josie. You can find me on AO3 at Josie Pug and on Tumblr at A Story in the End. And Clotho? Um, Clotho, and you can find me at Clotho Spindle on Tumblr. And Dramas. Hi, I'm Dramas, and you can find me at Dramas on Tumblr. Okay, so tonight we're discussing Game of Thrones Season 5, Episode 7, The Gift. And as always, we will be spoiling everything, uh, books and show. And once again, unfortunately, um, we need to have a trigger warning for rape. Uh, so if this is an issue for you, you may want to check out now. Okay, so we open up at the wall. And John is setting off, I believe, for hard home with Tormund and some other Night's Watch dudes. And... He leaves uh, Alistair Thorne in charge, and then we get some more ominous shots of Ollie Chekhov's Potato Boy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Lots of those. I know. And then um, before he goes off, um, Sam makes sure to give John some dragon glass daggers, and there's some exposition in there about how they're really good against the White Walkers, just in case we forgot. And then... Uh, we also have a, a next, the next clip is of um, Maester Eamon. He's dying and he's uh, rambling quite a bit. He's talking about his brother Egg. And then Sam makes sure to give us more exposition to explain who Egg is, that that refers to Aegon uh, Targaryen. And lastly, Maester Eamon warns them, uh, it's Gillies in there too. Um, he warns them to go south before it's too late. So. Thoughts? <laughs> I, I thought it was very. Um, the, I, I'm really glad that they kept the 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 part where uh, Eamon goes, "Egg, I dreamt I was old." Oh, it was beautiful. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I got tears I, at that part. Yeah, I really love seeing the dragon glass dagger because when I read it in the books, I couldn't quite figure out what that looked like. I was like, "Is it just like a piece of glass?" Like I couldn't like visualize it, and then it looked super cool in the show. Yeah, 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 that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, I thought they did a good job with Mr. Eamon. I mean, I love the actor. I love the character, both in the books and the show. And, yeah, so I, I thought I thought they handled that really well, and I, I was happy with it. And and also, he tells them to go south, which I wasn't, I didn't think they were going to do the Old Town storyline. Mm-hmm. And now I think they are going to do it. Mm-hmm. And there's been some casting stuff, maybe about Randall Tarley, and yes. I'm kind of excited. I hope that happens. I really, <laughs> I, I um, I really like the actor who plays Amon. I thought he did a fantastic job. Um, mm-hmm. 
The only thing that bothered me, and I think it's only because I saw it on Tumblr, was someone pointed out that all this time has passed and yet that baby is still the same age. Oh, I didn't even think about that. (laughs) Well, months have gone by. That should be, you know, that kid should be a lot older than a, it looked like a couple month old, but, you know. That's true. True. He'd be toddling around. (laughs) Okay. Let's get the difficult part over with now. Uh, as we go to Winterfell, and uh, Theon is bringing Sansa, looks like a meal, and uh, she's been locked in her bedroom. And from the dialogue, it sounds like this is a fairly constant state of affairs. Looks like she's kept in her, locked in her room all day, guarded. And then at night, Ramsay comes in and rapes her. And from the bruises on her arms, it sounds like there's a ton of physical abuse on top of the sexual assault. Yes. And Theon tells her to just do whatever Ramsay says, and she's not having that. She tries to get him to help her, and he keeps saying he's Reek, and she says, no, you're not Reek, you're Theon, only son of Balan Greyjoy, and her family still has friends and allies, and please help, and she's got, you know, the whole plan. And then... um, I think we were supposed to feel suspense, but um, he pretty much goes straight to Ramsey. Yeah, yeah. We, we, I, I did not think for a second that he was gonna help her. Yeah, yeah it's just hard to watch. <laughs> I hate this so much. I hate this plot. It's so nauseating. It, it, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of, I because mean, a lot of people are throwing around, well, maybe they're putting that in there, so that's going to be his wake-up call, and obviously that wasn't the wake-up call. I don't know what point if that will happen, but it, it's frustrating to watch, you know, and it's kind of sad because you see this character, yet again, after all she's been through, attempt to trust someone, and yeah, that, I don't get it. <laughs> and to top it all off, and I'm I'm sorry, since I'm moderating, you're going to hear a lot about this because there's no one to tell me that we've discussed it enough. Um, <laughs> apparently, Benioff and Weiss decided they wanted to produce uh, Game of Thrones as a radio play. Because oh, I didn't I, hear about this. Oh. Well, because I can't see anything. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I had the brightness on my monitors like max. And if it wasn't for Ramsey saying yes, Reek, I really wasn't sure who was in the room. I don't yeah. know if this is just me, but no, I can't. I noticed it too. Yeah. Half of this episode was in the dark. <laughs> well, at least you know... Stannis isn't in the dark anymore. Yes. No. Yay. Well, <laughs> and part of me, in some of the scenes, I liked it, but yeah, it was a bit much. Like I think they were going for an aesthetic, and there were certain things with the light coming through the windows and the candles and the silhouettes. There were a lot of that going on. And there was repetition there, so I think they were going for a theme. But yes, at some point. Um, you know, especially on my rewatch on my tablet, I could barely see, you know, I couldn't even see Sansa's face. There are a you know, ton was... of candles in this episode. I was yeah. noticing the amount of candles. And I, like, I mean, I, pre- I appreciate authenticity. I think that's great. But I mean, I want to be able to see people. I want to know what's going on. And there are moments in here where I'm like, I literally do not know what's I, minutes are going by before I'm like, oh, that's who's in the room. This is not good. 
Yeah, and I've seen I've seen comments of this elsewhere. I've seen it on like generic, like you know, Facebook kind of show watcher threads. I've seen people comment about how they have to turn all the lights off in the room to see, you know. So it's not just it's not, know, just, it's not just a nitpickery thing. Yeah, no, it's a. <laughs> I think it's across the board. <laughs> all right, anything else on this one? I I find it so hard. This is I was enjoying the show so much, and then they had to go here. I. I think it, which uh, episode did we say that we were a little bit scared that the woman, the female servant, was actually, uh, it was going to be another ploy of Ramsey, and it turned out it wasn't, and now I feel so bad because of what happened to this <coughs> poor servant lady. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry I doubted you. <laughs> and then Ramsey actually says that she was, she actually, during the torture, she actually, uh, like, hung on like she did not break and I was just like my husband was like you're about to cry aren't you and I'm like yes I am yeah that was pretty that was pretty upsetting I mean and I don't know if we're going to get this next but the scene where Sansa was walking with Ramsay you know I think one thing that's very frustrating for me is you can see that they're like it's like they keep uh, they develop Sansa and you get this impression that she's you know she's constantly asking questions and that's her sort of way of feeling things out and getting her you know, she's pretty much getting zingers in and she's riling these people up to a certain point, but she's she's really good at it, stopping at that point before it goes too far mm-hmm. and getting the info that she needs. So it's frustrating to me that she's got this figured out, but yet they don't give the character, they keep like this sort of repetitive, you know, broken record. They don't give her the chance to actually utilize those skills and have some power. And that's frustrating to me. Yeah, it's very true. I mean, it, it comes across, well, we'll get to it in a little bit, but... I think you're very right. Okay. So, I think we're supposed to be in Wintertown. I think that's where Brienne is apparently staying for weeks in that inn. And -hmm. she's standing in the snow um, with her eyes fixed upon the broken tower. And that's pretty much... (laughs) I know. She doesn't even get a speaking line or anything. She just stares longingly at the tower as if... She yeah. can magically cause that candle to be lit. So, and I'm like, I can ju- you can just see her that she's just like, she just needs that candle mm-hmm. to be lit, and she's like gonna be on it. Yeah, nice editing though, because they go right then to Emon and the candle with Sam and Gilly. Yeah, I was like, it yeah, was so good. Yeah, was that like, was oh, good. Nice. <laughs> we had um, I guess they had last week. They had a question they didn't get time to uh, cover. And I thought because Brienne's scene was just so short that we could talk about that here. Um, I think it's Too Lazy Jay um, had written in and they said, um, I noticed that you guys talked briefly about the Oath Keeper theme playing when Jamie sees Tarth. So we're going back an episode or so. But did you notice the same theme was playing while Brienne talks to the innkeeper in Winterfell? Um, do you think that's just an oath-keeping related choice from the producers or that they wanted to convey that while that while she's talking about Caitlin, she thinks about promising to Jamie too? What do you think? I, I think the two are tied together just because yeah. the name Oathkeeper is automatically associated with Jamie. She named it, you know, even though it sort of reflects back to herself, she named it for Jamie. There was a significance to that. So I think just by by that specific tie and I would say yes. And I didn't catch it, so that was a good catch. But yeah, no, yeah. I would. I... Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm not terribly good at the um, music cues. I, I wish I was better at them, but I think that's a that's probably what they were going for. Yeah, and I love that other people catch it, so you know it's cool to hear. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna go to the wall again uh, for the rest of Amon. I'm saying Amon. It's it's Amon, right? Um, well, I I knows? think it's just a pronunciation thing. Potato, potato. Yes. <laughs> Ollie, the potato boy. Nice um, nice, <laughs> Uh, so we're going for the rest of uh, his death scene, and he's again calling out for Egg um, while Gilly and Sam are keeping watch, and then he dies. Um, and then in the morning, Sam delivers the eulogy, and then they set the funeral pyre alight. And afterwards, Sir Alistair warns Sam ominously that all of his friends are leaving him. What a jerk. Poor Sam. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, dude, really? Are you gonna? You're seriously gonna shit talk at someone's funeral? Okay. <laughs> Never a dull yeah. moment. That's a good point. <laughs> Master of the appropriate there. Yeah, I think we need to take a moment to applaud Amon for being one of like two characters to die a natural death. <laughs> in the entire true. series. Oh yeah, they mentioned that. I watched a little what behind the scene. The you know, oh man, they mentioned yeah. yeah. Him and Pastor Tully, I think. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, apparently, if you die naturally, you're yeah. It's it's not the normal thing, is it? No. I I realize, and I'm going to talk more smack later on because that's what I do. But I like the scene. I like the death scene, yeah. and I thought the funeral was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I thought they handled this really well, and I think I felt like they gave the character did the character justice, and you know, I, you know, I think. I'd read bits here and here that people wish there was a little bit more from, you know, because that character had a lot of amazing things to say in the book and um, things weren't, certain things weren't covered, but I, I thought they handled it good. Yeah, I think in general they do a really good job with, like, the northern and, like, the rituals at the wall and in the north. Like, they do a good job of setting that tone. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And at least you won't be zombie, Amon. Oh, yeah, thank True. goodness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would cry! <laughs> Okay, <laughs> moving right along. <laughs> uh, okay, we're at Winterfell again, um, and they've let Sansa out of her room long enough to go join Ramsay on, um, I think those are battlements, and he's being particularly creepy, which is hard for him to, you know, he's normally pretty creepy as it is. <laughs> Um, and she manages to steal something. I don't know what that was. I'm assuming it was some sort of weapon, a knife. I thought, you know what I thought it was? It was some, um, like one of those, um, it almost looked like a corkscrew. A wine cask, like you yeah. used for a wine cask. Yeah. Oh. That, 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 hole. That, yeah. Because yeah. it, exactly it, it looked like it had an edge and then it had like that yeah. T shape that you use. Oh. She could okay. just jab that into the back of his skull or right? <laughs> I was excited. I mean, please God, <laughs> soon. Um, okay, Since so they showed it. It must have significance. So yeah, I'm assuming say. it's going to come into play later. Um, and then there's a lot. This episode was really heavy on the exposition, but he's basically explaining that the blizzard of um, they look like old-fashioned Lux flakes to me. Whatever's falling down on them, all the fake snow. <laughs> I know they were saying they were coconut flakes. Yeah, it was that kind of. Like, when I was a kid, um, my mom had that kind of powdered detergent you would use, and that's what it reminded me mm. of. 
But yeah. um, anyhow, that blizzard of that stuff, whatever it is, um, he says is going to slow Stannis and his army down. Um, uh. And then he goes on and talks about how he's going to be warden of the north and she's going to be warden us. And she points out, well, you know, if Walda has a boy, his claim is pretty weak because Trueborn sons are going to outweigh a legitimized <laughs> bastard's claim. She gets some nice snark in. Yes, she does. Um, and he, of course, then manages to work in that he's figured out her plot to get help. And then we get that scene we were referring to with the... Uh, the poor old servant woman strung up on the castle wall and she's been flayed and that the close-ups there were lovely. Um, but evidently she held out and didn't spill absolutely everything to him. And then they lock Sansa back in her room again. Yeah. I, I was having a really shallow moment during the scene and got totally taken out by the fact that I realized that I think Ramsey's hair looks like the hair you have on Lego people. It's <laughs> like, put on other people's heads. And then that was all I could think. Oh my god. Oh my, I'm not going to be able to unsee that, Josie. Thank you. <laughs> I want you to feel my pain. Someone should someone should draw a fan art of that. Well, someone probably will. Lego, Lego Ramsey, yeah. Be, somebody could make a whole little skit. Oh. There are people who've done that. I don't know if you've seen like the Lego reproductions of like the Red Wedding and stuff. Oh, they're really oh, yeah. quite good. I, yeah, I have seen that. Um, let's see if we can find some of those images to reblog on the Tumblr. <laughs> I don't. Know, I mean, I really have to say that that actor who plays Ramsey is excellent. Yes, he is. He is. He just. I don't know. I just don't like this. It makes no sense. This whole plot makes no sense to me. Yeah. I, I agree. It's just too much. It's too repetitive. And it's just, and, and it bothers me when this stuff, you know, I shouldn't be, I shouldn't feel bored with this stuff. And I, and I feel bored with it. I shouldn't feel bored when I see, uh, you know, a flayed body. You know, it's just, I think it's getting to be, it desensitizes you and just gets same old, same old. Yeah. I need yeah. something fresh. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to wait to see how it plays out. Like it, and see how what happens in wins with Sansa. I think that'll maybe affect how I see it, but not a fan right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm. I don't. Again, I'm waiting. I'm trying to wait and see. And I will say that binge watching, you have a very different experience than waiting week to week. But so far, it's not working for me. In this episode, like I said, there's a lot of exposition. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's particular. And I know it's hard to write, but I don't think they're doing a particularly good job. Yeah, I think the idea is it should be moving things forward, and I just don't. There's a lot of points where I'm not getting what's happening. And again, maybe in a couple episodes we'll see, but yeah, I'm not feeling it. <laughs> All right, so now we go to I have no idea where he is, but it's basically the camp where Stannis and the Team Dragonstone people are. I presume this is on the road to Winterfell. Yeah. Um, so Davos reports that they've already got casualties among the men because of the, the storm and the horses are dying and it's just going to get worse. And what he wants to, he suggests is that they retreat to Castle Black. Uh, Stannis points out that, well, you know, winter is not just coming, it's here. 
and they don't know how long winter's going to last. That winter could be years. Mm-hmm. And then um, Davos leaves, and the minute he's gone, Stannis turns to Melisandre, but she's still convinced that things are going to be all right because she's had these visions. He's had the vision, too, of the battle in the snow. But then she tells him they're going to need to make a sacrifice, and they need someone oh, no! with... Everybody <laughs> scream. Like the moment she started on that, I, I knew thought of you going. all. I, I thought of you all. <laughs> uh, she wants someone with the king's blood. And then he says, well, we don't have, well, they don't call him Gendry, but, you know, Robert's bastard. And I'm guessing Gendry is still out there rowing somewhere. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, and then she suggests that they use Shireen. And everybody screams um, no! in their living rooms. And Stannis refuses, but, you know, it was pretty ominous. He gave her the get out treatment. Get out. And I think he literally said, get out. Yeah. (laughs) Channeling YD there. (laughs) But, you know, and here's the thing. I have a question about this. You know, if, um, well, I guess I got a couple things. You know, I think he, he made a good point. Why couldn't they just leech her? Like, if she managed to get rid of, like, two or three kings with, you know, the other options... Why do they need to burn her? And then another issue for me is, so if Mel were to try to get Selyse to do I don't think that's, you know, I was thinking, well, maybe that could happen. But if Mel and Selyse got together and did it on their own, then wouldn't Stannis be obligated to basically kill them both, like put them both to death at that point for disobeying him? I mean, I don't know where this is going to go, you know? I know. I, I was, like, very confused. Yeah. But- Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, um, also, when Melisandre's talking about seeing herself on Winterfell's ramparts and stuff, in the books we know that all she sees is snow, right? I mean, yeah. so is she lying, or is this a show canon difference? Like, hmm. I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah, because there's that... Is it in Dance? We have her one and only POV, POV chapter, yeah. um, where she... It's clear in that chapter that she's... Her visions are not 100% accurate. Her faith is very strong, and she's convinced it'll work out, but that she's made mistakes. Okay. Yeah. Um, Because, like, she keeps seeing, um, like, she doesn't understand that fake Arya is is not Arya, you know? And she confuses her with Alice Carr Stark, and there's a bunch of other things, but I don't know. Yeah, I wonder how much they're going to, you know, include of that, you know, or not. And Book Solis would never kill Shireen. Yeah, They've yeah, really yeah, done an injustice show. to yeah. that character. Oh, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Totally talking about show. Yeah, because yeah. in the books, Solis is very, like, you know, this is, like, the only child that survived. This is his, his only true-born heir. She's not going to mess with that. She's very, you know, she's a very proper lady, regardless of her religious fervor or whatever. I think she loves her daughter in the books. I mean, she's very protective towards her. Yeah. Now, show Solis, I got no idea. (sighs) I just don't know, man. And there was that one shot from one of the the season teasers with her, like, falling on her... Yeah, and she looks like she's crying or something. Oh. And I swear, if they kill Sharice, I'm going to break through the fourth wall and I'm going to (laughs) kill... I'm going to kill Mel. (laughs) Serene, my poor baby. Yeah, I'm pretty pretty close to being seriously worried. You know, this is the most worried I've been for her. (laughs) I 
I keep saying it. This might be the season that breaks me. This might yeah. be the season that breaks me, and I will just wash my hands. Because I don't understand why they would bring her other than, like, for, for as the show logic, I don't understand why Shireen would be there other than for something like that to happen. And I don't know then what that means for, again, what that means for Stannis and Mel, because I assume that Mel was maybe a longer-term player. But again, if the show's, you know, going in a different avenue. Well, and also they have this whole trying to get Winterfell. Like, that's a lot of plot to try to do. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I love how... I like the scene, I have to say. I really liked how um, the... Van Houten and uh, Stephen Delane played it. I loved, he kept trying to get, you know, staring at her butt. He kept trying to get her to kiss him. And she was like, you know, moving on. <laughs> and the beards. How about the beards? Davos, <laughs> one of my notes is Davos and his disapproving beard. He was like, he was like bristling when he was. <laughs> I normally like a little bit of scruff on my men, but I really am not in love with um, Stannis's um, midlife crisis. My wife left me beard. It's it's really not working for me. I I really think Davos is uh, basically all of us in our reactions yeah. to season five. <laughs> like, just nope, nope, nope. All of the nope. Oh man! It also kills me. Okay, above they had they made a point of having Sansa tell Theon that he's Balon Greyjoy's heir, which is the first we've heard about Balon for I don't know how many seasons. <laughs> I know. And then Stannis, you know that they killed uh, Rob Stark, that they killed Joffrey, but no mention of Balon, who's presumably still I don't know. He's still on the Iron. <gasps> Oh, and someone mentioned, I read this somewhere, that someone mentioned Theon being King's Blood, so that maybe Theon could end up be the one being sacrificed? I don't know. You know, if it all convoluted and everybody meets everybody else. I don't know. <sighs> Who knows? <laughs> Sweet Jesus, man! That, that poor character! I know, oh, I know, I didn't think about that. <laughs> There's no one really... <laughs> Well, well, at this point, the only thing they can do is put him out of his misery. Yeah, well, he's yeah. already foreshadowed. He said it can only be worse. It could always be worse, right? So, yeah. <laughs> all right. Anything else on that one? I don't think so. Okay, we're zipping right along here. Uh, we're going to go back to the wall um, now that John's gone and Amon's or Amon is dead. Uh, apparently, some of the knights watch. I don't know who these guys' names are. Um, they're getting uh, restive, and they start harassing Gilly with an intent to sexual assault. Sam is determined to stop them. Gets beaten up, but he stands his ground. And then, fortunately for Sam, Ghost shows up, which Yay! I didn't know he was still there, um, and stops them from raping uh, Gilly. And then um, she, Gilly tends to Sam's wounds, and then there's... A long lovemaking scene in the dark. <laughs> Most of the scene was in the dark. Yeah. Um, but I guess we finally had fat pink masked, so. <laughs> yes, All I could did. think. All I could think the entire scene. Yes, fat pink masked. Oh, it was kind of a little bit tainted with the, with the you know, plot device of sexual assault. For me, personally, because I yeah. love, I love Sam and Gilly in the books and in the show. Like, you know, I... Mm -hmm. 
I've loved how they've handled it in the show. They have enough chemistry. They have all the history established. Like they were practically an old married couple, you know, in the library scenes they've yeah. had together. You know, I don't think we needed, they you know, have if, a if that's the, yeah, exactly. And little Sam, like, I don't think we needed any kind of, I don't know if that was their angle, but I don't think we needed kind of, you know, that impetus to get that to happen. You know, I don't, yeah. and I think that was, again, I was just like, really? Why? Yeah. <laughs> also, he is so concussed. Like, I was like, this is not a good idea. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah, yeah. that thing. <laughs> He's gonna vomit on her. I know. <laughs> I was like, right now he has like broken ribs. He has swelling in his head right now. But they're yeah. supposed to, you know what, for concussion, you're supposed to do cocooning, which means you don't, you know, no bright lights. So I guess they had the darkness thing down. And <laughs> 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 oh, oh, yeah, I don't. And one plot thing, too. Did they show Ghost here so that, because John's got to get Caesared soon and Ghost can't be with him. Oh, I see. So I'm wondering uh-huh. if that's why they put that's Ghost point. there. Well, maybe. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't. It's sort of it, now that you're saying all that bit about concussion. It's sort of like when I used to watch soap operas back in the day, and there would always be this plot where there'd be someone who'd be dying of like you know some sort of horrible fever flu thing, mm-hmm. and yet they'd manage to make passionate love even though they were. <laughs> yeah. You know, hundred and four degree fever and and hallucinating. They could still yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. All right. So then we're going to be going across the narrow sea. I'm thinking. I, I'm sorry. I'm. I'm not great with these locations. And I have in my notes on the road to Marine. I'm guessing that's where they're going. Yeah. yeah um. Sure and I'm going to butcher these names. Um. Malco, who's played by the awesome... Uh, oh, God, I cannot say his name in real... Uh, his real name. The guy who played Mr. Echo on Lost um, at the slave auction, he sells Jorah to Yeznan? So something? Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I got that. I looked it up, but I, then I'm like, I have no idea how to say this. Okay, so... He sells him quite easily, talks him up, guy from a great house, killed a bunch of people, apparently a great bet if you need somebody for this, um, the fighting pits. They actually mentioned Pike. They did. Which is what he got knighted for, which mm-hmm. was cool. So nice I little like book that. nod. And then I think Tyrion realizes they're about to be separated and he's smart enough to know that that is a very bad idea. So he tries to convince them to buy him as well, and then basically starts beating the living daylights out of <laughs> some sorry. other. Poor guy. It was, I was laughing. I should not be laughing at this, but I guess it was like I was at this point. I'm just taking whatever I can get. <laughs> well, you know, you're standing there minding your own business, and then some guy comes around and starts beating the crap out of you. I don't know. With Jane's, no less. Um, and then this Yeznan guy evidently decides that, hey, you know, and everyone's laughing, and he decides, well, I guess he's got some entertainment value. Um, so he buys him, too. Nice job, Tyrion. Yeah. Yeah. He should do improv. <laughs> That's what he could do. Yeah. Tyrion's <laughs> job. Oh, man. Okay. So, uh, these are... You know, it's funny, we're zipping along, but I really have nothing to say about these scenes. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> I mean, 
my my criteria for this episode is could I see what was going on? <laughs> Automatic thumbs up. Were they people I cared about? Automatic thumbs down. So this was kind of a wash for me personally. All right. So now we're back in Marine and Danny's in bed with Dario. And they're talking about her soon-to-be politically arranged marriage to Hizar. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dario wants to marry her, um, but... Go he's ahead. jealous. He's jealous. <laughs> <laughs> but she's not, you know, she's not going to go there. No. And then... She's uh, smart enough. Yeah, yeah. She knows that that's not a viable thing. So then he suggests that on the day she opens the fighting pits that she kills all of the masters she can find. But she says, no, she's not willing to do that. She's a queen, not a butcher or something like that. And every time she says, I'm a queen, not a, I think of Leonard McCoy from Star Trek. (laughs) I'm a doctor, not a physicist. And it's like Khaleesi McCoy, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, my other shallow comment for that is Dario had really hairy nipples, and he was distracting me. <laughs> I didn't notice. Now I'm upset that I didn't notice that. <laughs> I'm gonna have to watch it again. <laughs> See his hairy nipples. <laughs> oh boy. Oh man. My comment was I liked her wig. Like, although when he, you know, when he, he makes the whole comment, like I have a piece of advice, you know, my thir- first thought was to yell out, like, you know, ditch the wig. But I did actually like this wig. So. <laughs> yeah. He was pretty sexy. But, I, I mean, I, as far as his, his advice, you know, and I'm trying to feel this out, but, like, you know, I wasn't really getting that that sounded like a decent solution. I mean, I think she's kind of screwed no matter what she does at this point. But um, I, that didn't sound like a good solution either. So I don't know if anybody else thought it sounded like a good idea. I think he said it more to make a point than as, like, he knows she's not going to do that. Like, but I think he said it to be like, this is how extreme you have to be. Like, you're not going to be able to placate everyone. She has to rule with the iron fist kind of thing. Yeah. I think Marine is like, I'm trying to think of the right political metaphor. Hot it's mess. like, yeah, it's like an unwinnable. Yeah. I don't think there's anything quagmire, she can right? do. Yeah, it's a quagmire. And I don't. And I don't think she realizes it. I think yeah. he does. And I think other people around her are like. You're coming in here, you're trying to change stuff, and it's just not going to happen. But I don't think she's come to that realization yet. Yeah. And it took, like, what, a whole book for that, you know, to sort of play out. And, you know, she sort of needs to get the hell out of there. (laughs) Well, and she's making things in her own way, I think. And not that I'm advocating slavery by any means, but I don't... (laughs) Her methods are just not helping. Yeah, she's not understanding, yeah. Okay. So let's go back to Westeros, um, and we go to the Great Sept of Baylor, and Elena arrives to see if she can find the High Sparrow and convince him to release Loris and Marjorie, and then discovers that the guy in rags washing the floor is in fact the High Sparrow. Yep, the janitor. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. He tells her, you know, he's not interested in, in like whatever deal she wants to make they need to stand for his crime their crimes she offers him money he's not interested i mean the guy's wearing like somebody on tumblr called it a potato sack <laughs> i mean yeah, clearly if he sucks. wanted money he would not be dressed like this 
And then she basically threatens him. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Who was it? Was it someone on this podcast that said that the high sparrow looks like someone that you would sit next to and you they would just stink to high heaven and you'd just be very uncomfortable? <laughs> it looks like pig pen, you know, like you see little swirls of like stench coming off. <laughs> well, uh, when her basically offering him, you know, some kind of bribe or money or whatever, when that doesn't work, she threatens him with withdrawing the crops the reach has been sending to the city. He's not phased and basically tells her a day's coming when the many are going to go after the few. And there's some, like, he suggests he give her a copy of the seven-pointed star. And she's like, dude, you know what? Do you know how old I am? I've read the seven-pointed star. She leaves sort of in defeat. And then she receives a scroll with a mockingbird seal. Dun, dun, dun. But I... I really like the high something. Unfortunately, he's so uh, I, radical. But yeah. I did, I did like the fact that he does say, "Hey, he is making a good point. The small folk outnumber the nobles, and when food runs out, yeah, and you guys can't aren't growing the food yourselves. Guess what? Your power is gonna crumble like dust. It's gonna be gone. No one's yeah. gonna give a shit that you <laughs> are a Rhodes of High Garden or whatever." Yeah, and that's a good point because they do. He he plays it believable that you could see how people could. He's got that sort of charisma, like he's got the the zealot thing going on, but he's also got that you know that you could see people uh, following him. Well, he's, he's got a lot of charm. Yeah, or Jonathan Price at least is imbuing him yeah. with yeah. that charm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has to do with the actor too because he's yeah. a great actor. And this scene was making me think about, though, like, both at this point in the show and by the end of Dance, like, the High Sparrow has a ton of power. Like, how do you guys think, like, I don't think anyone thinks Endgame is, you know, King's Landing turns into a theocracy. So, like, how are they, how's he going down? Is he just going to get crispied by Danny or, like, is there some kind of other? (laughs) It feels, I don't know if this is just me not remembering when I read it, but it feels creepier in the show. Like, it feels a lot more threatening, like, all-consuming. Like, I didn't, maybe when I was reading the books, I I sort of got that there was still some power without, you know, outside of the, you know, set. But I don't know. It's, it's. Well, it's hard because in the books we have, it's all from Cersei's POV. Yeah, And she's not sane. Yeah. yeah, she's but not getting you. <laughs> the, the hints we have, like, and I don't know if they're going to go there, and I'm jumping ahead here, but the hints in the books are that Marjorie basically starts to embrace religion. And obviously, I'm pretty sure she's faking that, but starts praying day and night. And I'm pretty uh, sure, I mean, these people who are aristocrats, mm-hmm. most of them know how to adapt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So you take it up, you say you're religious, and you sort of wait it out until one day the, the head guy gets caught with, you know, an underage boy or something, and then, or there's an accident or whatever. I don't know. I don't know if the Targs are going to come back. I mean, that's what it took to get rid of the Faith Militant the first well, time around. I, well, no, it took a lot a to lot. get rid of the Faith Militant. I think basically Magor just went completely ballistic crazy on them in order to wipe them out. Well, and they'll be faith- I'm assuming what happens when the others come, because that's uh, not going to protect yeah. them. That's true. Yeah. yeah. 
So <sighs> there's so much going on, man. Like I even know. in the books, there's so many things that are coming to a head. Like how I, the heck is this all going to be resolved? This is originally a Cersei scene. She comes upon, she goes to, I think the first time she meets him, okay. she goes to the high sept and he's scrubbing the floor. Okay. And that's how it starts. So they basically took a Cersei scene and gave it to Olena. Okay. Good call. Which, I guess it worked. Um, I, they just needed Diana Reagan, Jonathan Price on the screen at the same time. Yeah. They well, they, were, was they awesome. had good synergy, I thought. Yeah. yeah. Um. The only the only quibble I have is they built up a lot of of stuff in the show about just how popular Marjorie was with the people, mm-hmm. and apparently that doesn't we're forgetting about that or it's not significant. I don't know, but yeah, it was yeah. kind of an abrupt shift for Marjorie. I felt like in the way she's been played this season, and I don't know if that's intentional to show that she pretty much cracked. You know, the facade that she kept that up so long and so well that is kind of like really abrupt that she's you know. But we'll see, you know, again, how she adapts. Or she's playing that for Cersei, too. Yeah, true, true. Yeah. So I guess we'll move on. Uh, again, I'm guessing, I, I'm assuming we're in the Red Keep, you know, the castle, whatever. Um, Tommen is very upset that his wife and queen has been imprisoned, and he's sort of yelling a lot. He's threatening war. Uh, I think Cersei's right when she tells him that if you did that, that Marjorie would be the first casualty. And then yeah. she offers to go to the High Sparrow for him because she loves him, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and I, 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 I can't figure out if my love of Tommen and sweet little Tommen is getting in the way of this. I know. I'm having a hard time figuring out yes. how much of this is out of character and how much yes. of this is, would he react this way, an older Tommen react this way. Like, it's hard for me because I want yes. kittens and yes. beets and blah, 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 you know. More beet, <laughs> beet hate here, okay? <laughs> That's what he should have been saying. Mom, I am outlawing beets and it's like more kittens. Gi- I mean, they're giving us shades of Joffrey, which makes me think, yes, yeah. they're trying to foreshadow that he's going to get it too, but it just doesn't ring true, you know. This is, here's my problem. And I love Tom, and he's one of my favorite book characters ever. And not just because of the beat thing. I just like him. <laughs> <laughs> but there are hints in those chapters that he is not a stupid little boy. He's he's quiet and he's good natured and he's kind, but he's not weak. And Marjorie actually is kind of okay, not in a sexual way, but trying to groom him for being a king. Yeah, he's yeah, that he's she's mentoring. suggesting he needs to practice every day with Loras to be, practice becoming a knight to work at his stuff. And Cersei keeps trying to stop that. Oh yes, and he does and stand she, up for himself with the pony and with with Jamie. Yeah, there's see, I, that's true. That's and she true. wants him to Marjorie. This is wants him to go to the small council meetings, and yeah. he wants to go. And Cersei's stopping him. And to me, these yeah. are hints. That okay. this is somebody who could be a good king later on. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, and that's all gone. That's all out the window. Yeah, he's this he's weak, just, stupid uh, kid. He's just like a milder Joffrey. Yeah. Like a sane one, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I did like the Cersei, I would burn cities to the ground for you line, though. Oh, yeah. yeah that's a good... Yeah. That, um, that's... That yeah. was good. And yeah, but then the whole rest of you know the whole Cersei thing, you know, I'm not, I'm still I know that's how I guess it's in, in character for shows. Yeah, Cersei, I know. But I don't buy it because it's so for me. I just can't get around. 
I know I you know I should accept it and move on, but I still miss book Cersei in scenes like that. <laughs> of course, she was lying to him when she said she was going to go try to get Marjorie freed. So yeah, but yeah, I know. But her her love of all that, you know, I think they're still yeah. trying to play it up that there's a genuine like concern for the kids, and I'm still not buying. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, it's I have I've had issues with how Lena Headey is either being directed or is playing this. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not feeling the crazy like I should. Yeah. Um, but. I, yeah, I think based on an interview, she pretty much got that scene, or, or whether it's them, the writing that leads her to that conclusion, but she was, you know, articulating that it was about, Cersei's all about love of her children and protecting her family, and that's not, you know, but she hasn't read the book, so, you know. Yeah, that's well, a very narcissistic kind of love, but yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, we'll come back to her in a bit. For now, we're going to go down south to Dorne. Uh, Jamie gets an audience with uh, Marcella, who basically oh, informs gosh. him that she's very happy where she is. This is home now, and she loves Tristane. She's in um, love. He doesn't know who she is, and she leaves. Oh, she's such a teenager. How is she so politically ignorant, though? I mean, like, she's like, uh, what, 15, 16? Like, that's just weird at that point. Like, she's lived in the heart of these political battles her whole life, and she's a Lannister. Like, I don't care. Well, I was sheltered. She is like I was disappointed in the scene because I mean I thought Nikolai did the best he could with what he was given, which I felt wasn't much writing wise. Yeah. It was very short. It was very quick. But I mean, I wanted depth. I think they could have. It would have been the perfect. We didn't get this in the books, so this would have been amazing to see interaction between Jamie and Marcella that had some depth to it, and we didn't get that. So, yeah. you know, we got little Disney teenager upset with her, you know, situation. I, but I don't understand. Okay, they recast this actress. They're the same age, pretty much. Or they recast this character. And either Amy Richardson was just horrible, or they're just stupid. Because this girl is not particularly... I'm sorry, but she's not very good. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Again, I want to... And there's scenes... This is also... This comes through in the books, too. Um, And I admit, I skimmed over a lot of this stuff, but... She plays, um, she's like 11 or 12, and she's playing that, um, basically it's chess or whatever, and she plays it all the time with Tristane, and she's beating the pants off of him. And And it's, and it's a difficult game to master. And there's, there's some of the other characters talk about how smart she is and how perceptive we didn't get any of that. This is just some teenage girl who doesn't, you know, want to be separated from her boyfriend and how dare he come down and do that. I mean, yeah. this was the the girl that was also able to like tolerate Joffrey. Like she would sometimes get the better of him, yeah. even though he was a bully. Like she actually would, you know. He didn't completely run roughshod over him, over her, like you know he did with Sansa and other people. Yeah. So so that means she was smart and she could outsmart. You know. Yeah. Yeah, well, so I she, wonder if we'll get any more. Oh, sorry. Oh, she's just so generic. Like, and I would think, like, I don't know. It's it's a bit of a hard role, really, because we don't know any. Like, we know she's smart, but like, it's hard to just play smart. Like, but I feel like if she'd have tried to pick up like 
mannerisms or something from Cersei or Jamie or both and try to, you know, work that in so you see something of the, like, Lannister. Because, like, Lannisters are a lot of things, but, like, generic is not one of them. No, they're memorable, incredibly memorable characters. And this was just some, like you said, a Disney princess kind of bratty, you know, Nickelodeon teenager. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, this is my least favorite part of We're Coming To, and God knows there were many parts contending for this, including <laughs> the Winterfell stuff. Okay, oh, so <laughs> Ron, I'm guessing he's in some sort of prison, yep. and he's regaling everyone there with his rendition of the Dornishman's wife. And then I had to look this up, but one of the Sand Snakes, Tyene, is the only fan of yeah. his yeah. performance, and there's some back and forth between her and Bronn, who she stabbed last episode. And then, <laughs> for some undiscernible reason, she takes off her clothes. And then he begins to feel the effect of the poison from her weapon. And then, to confound us all, she then tosses him the antidote. <laughs> and scene. I labeled it booby antidote scene. That was my title, because, yeah, I wasn't I... getting that. I thought, um, you know, flirting Dornish style was more like it, <laughs> which is really messed up. Yeah, the only good part was the eye rolling from the other oh, yeah. snakes. Yeah. And they were us. They were, they they were, were yeah. Yeah, yes. they were us. They were like, please, get your own cell. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, you know, and that's the thing. I think, you know, at one point, you know, my husband pointed out, he's like, well, Maybe he's try- she was trying to raise his heart rate to get the poison to work faster. But then, of course, as soon as she throws him, I'm like, okay, what? When she throws him the antidote. Oh, like, what? <laughs> like, I was waiting for the explanation. Yeah. Like, yes, this poison works once your heart races. And now I've done it and you will die. Ha ha. But then just- she gives him the antidote. And I would have even taken I that. I would have accepted at that point. But But it's still, and it goes back to, is it just to, you know, is it their quota? <laughs> well, and that actress just turned 18. And I don't, I mean, like, it seemed totally illogical that this woman would just take off her, her clothes like that. Why do you, I mean, this, this, I didn't know that. Mm. this is what frustrates me, that these two grown, supposedly grown, frankly, middle-aged men, what, are like 16-year-olds? I mean, it, it just, yeah. if you're going to have nudity, it should make sense. And it makes no sense for her to be well, doing The whole that. scene doesn't make sense. Yeah, that like, was the big thing for me. The Why? scene doesn't really <laughs> even accomplish anything. Like, actually, as far as I'm concerned, all of the Sand Snake scenes have not really accomplished anything. Like, they just, they're like, we're so powerful, but it's so false. And, like, I don't even get it. And their arms are way too skinny. And I can't stop looking at I'm like, <laughs> I have so much more muscle mass than these girls do. Like, that is not right. Yeah, it- it's. It seems to me like they're doing a lot of... They always say you should show, not tell. And it seems like they're doing a lot of telling. Like, well, we're so powerful, we're yeah, so... We're great. Yeah. Sort, but it's like, because no. they're not backing it up. That's true, yes. <laughs> I agree. They're not backing it up. <laughs> All right. And I never thought I would say this, but I liked a Peter Baelish scene. Okay. <laughs> oh, <laughs> We go to Peter's brothel, and he's standing in the ruins of his once prosperous but now vacant and vandalized establishment, ruining its destruction. (laughs) The site of many, many uh, unneeded sex scenes. 
But that was actually, that's the best use of that set. Yeah. <laughs> the best, like, <laughs> that was a cool image. Like, that was. That was. I it was. That was a good idea to set that scene there. But and now yeah. they could burn it. Now they could please, please have the faith burn it. Because <laughs> yeah. I don't want to see it anymore. <laughs> well, it looks like they've destroyed the porn and a bunch of other stuff. Um, and his peephole is, is I love that. That was a nice callback to season one. Uh, um, yeah. Anyhow, Elena arrives, and there's a lot of back and forth with the veiled and then the not-so-veiled threats. And basically, she tells him, look, if me and my house go down, you are going down, too. Um, he explains he didn't have a choice. He had to, like, cave and give Cersei information. But then he says he's got something for her, too. She says, what? And he says the same thing I gave Cersei, and that is a handsome young man who can help. And that's when I went, yes! Because <laughs> so, everybody had to have known who it was, because I knew. I was like, oh. I actually saw some interesting speculation on Tumblr that it's not Lancel, but Gendry. <laughs> but I don't know how that would work out. So, huh. Well, because doesn't the High Sparrow already know about Lancel? I assumed like Lancel confessed to him. I would assume. So that didn't really make sense, but I couldn't decide if it was just the show not making sense or if it was something else. Yeah, like if if he confessed pre uh when they because you think he was. I I got to well when it happened. I assumed that he had probably confessed that he'd done wrong. But maybe but, not. I, I, but maybe he hadn't gone into specifics because remember in the books he's he very much cares about what's happening to Cersei. He cares about her. So mm-hmm. I mean, even with him uh, finding religion, I think he would still kind of protect her a little bit. Even yeah, he's he's a lot more sinister in the show at this point. He's yeah, I mean, he scarce. didn't carve a star into his forehead though. So yeah. like, I think you'd talk at that point. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think this is also the scene Diana Rigg had spoiled that she'd filmed the scene in a room with all these clay dildos. And she regretted not having <laughs> pictures taken because she could have sent them out oh. for her Christmas cards. I think this must have been that scene. Oh, oh man, if only we had seen like the, the dildos, you know, sort of some smashed and some just laying on the They should have done a Christmas I'm sure <laughs> someone will <laughs> do whatever they need scene. to do to bring those back to light and maybe she can have her Christmas cards after all. <laughs> But it just made me love Diana Rigmore. They could make dildo chandeliers, you know, light up the scene a little better. (laughs) Okay, we're almost at the end, guys. Um, We go back across the narrow sea to the fighting pits. And Yeznan, I have a feeling I'm really saying that name wrong, um, is very excited because Danny is there um, to watch because her fiancé told her, I guess that's the dumb thing to go to the... The rehearsal, I guess. Yeah. Um, Jorah realizes she's there, and he rushes out of... I know it's not a dugout, but that's what I kept calling it. (laughs) Um, And basically, he starts killing everybody until he's the victor, and then takes off his helm. So pathetic. I know. She's, like, so unimpressed and wants him gone. Poor puppy. And then he announces, hey, I brought you a gift. And Tyrion, who's also managed to get out of his chains in the dugout, introduces himself. And that's the scene. Wasn't, why is Tyrion the only person chained? I don't know. No. Hmm. I was like, 
wasn't he also going to be part of the entertainment, so why wouldn't they? Yeah, no one else was chained. Save the best for last. Uh, Yeah. And then that guy comes in and, like, unchained, it cuts. (laughs) I like that. That was funny. I was kind of confused by it, but I thought it was good. (laughs) Uh, You know, I I was actually pretty, like, I'm not the, you know, I've said all along, I'm not the biggest Danny fan, but actually I'm feeling a little bit of excitement. Like, that whole, I don't know, there was this little, really, I felt like, although it was brief, but there was some chemistry going on between Danny and Tyrion as far as, like, you could see, like, I don't know, I'm looking forward to their conversations in coming episodes, because I'm, you know. Yeah, well, absolutely, totally condensing both their storylines was a really good move. Like, both of those storylines and dance were rough at times. It felt good to get them together. And she's, Amelia Clark is an actress, she seems to be one of those performers who does much better when she's playing with a lot of really skilled people. Yes, yes. And now she'll be playing with Dinklage, and that might help a lot. Mm -hmm. And also, I'm kind of excited, because I honestly, her her stories and dance were just... Yeah. Yeah, it was hard. Yeah, I definitely think this is going to be a big improvement. And um, I, I, I had a question about the grayscale, and I kind of looked it up, and it doesn't seem like there's really a lot of info, because when I looked up the wiki for it, I mean, there's a lot of discussion about exactly how it spreads, but it seems to be water. Um, there's all these different things, you know, theories about how it spread, but, you know, I wonder, I guess if he keeps it wrapped up, and if he's fighting all those people, could he potentially spread it to anyone? Or, you know, I don't know if, you know, he gets a cut and... They have a cut, and even though they're dead bodies, can that kind of? I'm I curious. Would presume you know, it's. I mean, I don't know. I, 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 granted, I'm talking here about a, a you know a mythical disease, but yeah. I would guess it's exchange of bodily fluids probably would definitely spread it. I'm assuming. Well, I don't know about pure touch. Yeah. Because some people were saying something about the water carrying it, and then also, like you said, like drink, maybe drinking after someone, things like that, bodily fluids. Yeah. You know, well, yeah, blood, I would think, definitely, because if it's a um, something in the blood, I mean, that's, I mean, that's one of the surefire ways diseases do spread. But, you know, we're talking about a, a disease that's made up. I, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I'm assuming because they showed it, it must have significance because they're making such a big deal, you know. And I've seen discussion that it might replace the pale mare in Marine. Uh, yeah, that's which what I was thinking makes too. a lot of sense. Okay. Because first of all, like the diarrhea element is just like, <laughs> you know, yeah, who wants it to spend that much time? <laughs> and the cool. green feels a lot cooler. <laughs> like, yeah, and also, like, really you know. cool. dysentery is not. I don't think it's as infectious as I think Martin is making it out to be. So I'm much more in favor of the grayscale, grayscale thing. Yeah. And this could be like typhoid Jorah bringing it in, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. And then we go back to, I think they're in the Great Sept. It's basically wherever they're holding Marjorie. Mm-hmm. Um, and Cersei shows up with the plate of food. Um, and does the, oh, I'm, we're so concerned for you and we're doing everything for her and blah, blah, blah. But Marjorie is so not convinced and lets her have it. And Cersei leaves in a fantastic mood, um, goes to meet with the High Sparrow. And then we get a lot of exposition about how trials and penance and absolution work. And then he lowers the boom on her by bringing in Lancel, who has evidently been confessing left, right, and center. 
They drag Cersei off to her own cell, and I think the character's name is Unella, because I know they cast her. Um, she tells one of the Septas to take a good look at her face, because that's the last thing that she's going to see before she dies. Da-da-da. Yeah, there's a ton of exposition here, but I actually think it really works, because I'm spending the whole scene going, oh, she's going down, she's going down, she's yeah. going down, and then it happens, and it's a really great like payoff. Yeah, because she just totally count. doesn't expect it to happen. She is so smug and so secure ah. in her influence, in her power. Mm. Yeah. That yeah, she is has, like, yeah. oh boy. She well, had that strut going down the hall, and that was pretty, you know, and then you see the chain. Oh, man. It was a good I, scene. And I know I knocked her earlier, but I have to say, like, she's standing in the room. He's going on and on about the simplicity of the altar and the chapel and you can tell she's just like oh that's so nice how soon can i get out of this room and then he lowers that boom on her boom yeah i've been looking forward to this if for no other reason that i do like you know i like lena as an actress and i think that at this point maybe we'll get some she'll be really good at this you know the whole you know what we have coming (laughs) she'll be really good at this i think the fall and and that was you know he was super, I mean, he scared me. <laughs> the high yeah. sparrow, you could see that shift, like, oh, it was creepy. <laughs> well, and it sounds like he's bent on taking down all of these families. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. I, I don't think we get in the book, so that's kind of an interesting dimension. Yeah, and again, it's hard to tell if it's just Cersei being delusional in the books, and this is really what's happening, or what the deal is. Yeah. Where yeah. the reality is, and where her... Yeah, because clearly she yeah. has no idea until she's thrown in the saddle. And that was pretty amazing with just the eyes and just that, oh, God. I mean, they did a really great job, I thought, with yeah, with conveying that. God. <laughs> also, Cersei and the Septas. I'm excited for that. Like, that was some of my favorite Cersei stuff. Yeah. yeah. She's just, like, thinking about, like, pushing them down the stairs and she's yelling at <laughs> yeah. them. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> see, that's what I like. I just want to see her get unhinged. I yeah, want to see I her give it all. Yeah. Yeah. And and the scepter that grabs her, wow, she would look really athletic. I know, she they picked strong. a good one. They picked a good scepter to <laughs> snatch her. It would be a sand sink. That would have been perfect. <laughs> she's, too, she's too cool or too strong to be a sand sink. <laughs> she's Tyene's mom. <laughs> <laughs> because oh. in the books, Tyene's mom's a scepter, right? I thought so. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's Washington. Headcanon. Well, that takes us to the end of our episode. Um, Okay, so normally I guess I would tell people to read the thank yous, but I'm it, so I'm going to read the thank yous. (laughs) Um, And we had quite a few of them, Um, so I'm going to skim over a few of these. But um, Sandwiches wrote, I just wanted to thank you for doing this week's podcast in the first place, given how difficult and controversial a subject matter had to be tackled within it. I can understand why you consider not doing so at all, given the furor surrounding this episode. Yet I found your discussion of it very interesting and thought-provoking to listen to. High fives all around. (laughs) And on a much lighter note, I would like to thank Mr. Eon for saying Martin writes what he loves, and apparently he loves Arkansas. (laughs) Uh, apologies to anyone in Arkansas Uh, there could have been some deeply unlike ladylike snorting in this business at that point Uh, there might have even been some beverage spillage 
I refuse to fully confirm it, yet we'll be working any variants of that line I can rustle up into most conversations I have in the next week or so. <laughs> nice. So I thank you for taking the time to make this. Virtual hugs for everyone. And then someone with the awesome uh, username of Who's It of Who Cares said, I'm new to your podcast. Just wanted to say thanks for for you for all your support and comments regarding last week's Sansa scene. You, the other ladies, and that one fab dude, haha, summed up perfectly how a lot of Sansa fans feel. Keep up the good work. Okay. Fleeting Musing said, Hi, guys. Just wanted to tell you how much I thoroughly enjoyed this week's podcast. I understood your hesitation, but I agree with Mr. Eon. It was an important discussion to have. Constructive criticism is essential for progress. It's not about complaining, but rather demanding more, Mm -hmm. which is very true. Uh, The audience deserves more than lazy storytelling and repeated and unnecessary sexualized violence against women. You ladies handled this situation with aplomb. It was lovely having lovely having Cray back on the podcast and to hear her insights and defense of Baelish. Mr. Eon was a great addition as well. I can't begin to explain how much I admire everything you ladies do. Thank you for always providing us with thoughtful discussions and for all the hard work you've put in it. So greatly appreciated. Keep on keeping on. Just a few more. Another great username. God, you guys are good. I'm no lady. (laughs) I just felt the need to thank you for this week's podcast, since I can almost never make it to watch uh, Game of Thrones as it airs. Uh, I came on Tumblr this Monday and was shocked about what happened to Sansa and couldn't really bring myself to watch the episode until just now. Following the podcast on Twitter, I saw this morning as you tweeted it. I haven't really listened to all of them in full length because I still have to finish reading the books and thought, okay, just go ahead and listen to what these guys have to say. I had already read some of the things that had been written about Sansa being raped and was unsure what to do. In the end, I really enjoyed the podcast and just thought I'd let you know. It really helped me because I knew it was coming when I watched the episode just now and was able to watch it a bit more minding of what was actually happening. Uh, Thanks a lot and lots of love. Clotho! Uh. Hey! (laughs) Big thank you for how you handled this week's podcast. I know it could have been easy. I appreciated the well-laid-out and upfront discussion of Sansa's rape. It needed to be addressed, and you intelligently and passionately hit all of the major discussion points that I've seen floating around since it aired. I don't know how you did it, but I also found myself laughing so much by the end. Great panel chemistry. Enjoyed the guests, Mr. Eon and Cray. And laughing my ass off at Lot's Power Rangers door and fight scene comparison. That was pretty good, too. Okay. Uh, we got an Anon who wanted to thank us for the episode. Uh, this, there's a theme here. Uh, it was hard, but it was necessary, and your discussion was spot on. Uh, what makes the whole thing worse, if that's possible, is that they've planned it since season two. Poor Sophie. And, oh, there was one thing I was hoping you'd mention. I haven't seen the episode, but from what I gathered, they arrested the Queen of Westeros for perjury. Yeah, that's true. That's really ridiculous. They are really bending backwards to get all the plot points they want in there. Joyce Follies? Ladies, I just wanted to... Okay, it's the same kind of thing. I'm, I'm sorry to cut in, but it's... um. There's a, there's a common theme. People are happy we covered it. Um... 
I saw many different reactions all over the internet. Some more rage-inducing than others, but your podcast really came through to me. Um, I'm grateful your podcast podcast <laughs> provides an outlet for this kind of discussion. It's important that this scene isn't forgiven or forgotten just as another shocking incidence. Uh, thank you for validating my feelings and for helping me survive this very trying week. I have to say, I've never been so happy not to be on a podcast. I can imagine, yeah. 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 Like, I, uh, I remember when uh, you guys had uh, asked me to pick a, an episode, and I'm so happy that I picked episode five, <laughs> and that I was off by one. <laughs> <laughs> Because if I'd have had to do episode six, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Implosion. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Daxam Molly, I think is how you say it. I just wanted to let you know how much I loved and appreciated the most recent podcast. Yeah, again, the same kind of thing. I'm, they're glad we did it. I was getting queasy reading comments on Facebook and wondering what on earth was wrong with all people <laughs> and why they would felt, feel the need to defend Sansa being raped. You all made such good points and are also compassionate and intelligent. It felt so nice finally hearing some opinions that understood why this was so awful. Um, Mr. Eon, I think there's an overall theme. Mr. Eon is a huge hit here. <laughs> That's me editorializing. And, and she says, he is a seriously awesome dude and a total gem, although you are all gems, seriously. I also loved Cray's analysis of the score for the show, but keen observations. The last thing I want to mention is how much I agree with Chicky about the show being so dark and so depressing that viewers will disconnect. I feel like this is going to be a weird confession, but I completely understand where she's coming from because I've already had this happen to me. I actually don't watch the show, and I even stopped reading the book after Storm of Swords. I hit a point where I couldn't emotionally disconnect myself from it, and everything that happened was so awful that I couldn't take it anymore. While Chicky was only referring to the show, this sadly happened for me in the books, too. I know a lot of what happens because of spoilers, and I totally don't mind spoiling myself, because if I'm not directly watching or reading, I can actually finally disconnect enough not to be heartbroken when terrible things happen. So you might be wondering why I listened to your podcast, even if I didn't finish all the books or watch the show. Well, specifically, I love Jamie and Brienne. We do, too. <laughs> and I also specifically love your podcast. It is so engaging. It creates interest for me to know what happens in both various of, versions of the series. Um, I hope you all take this as a compliment and don't just think I'm nuts. We don't think you're nuts at all. No. Thanks to the podcast and also getting spoiled, I plan on finishing the books at some point, and I'll see the show someday as well, I'm sure. Oh. And then... Sorry, last one, Brock from Florida. Hello, I just wanted to say that I really enjoy listening to your podcast every week. I always look forward to hearing your thoughts on the latest episode of A Game of Thrones. You guys have a perfect blend of humor and in-depth analysis. Keep up the good work. And then in an awesome PS, Brock writes, Australian accents are hot. <laughs> Which is totally true. Um, okay. If you would like to send us a message, you can at close the door and come here at tumblr.com or at close the door and at gmail.com. And we're also on Twitter at, at door park podcast. Um, please like and review us on iTunes. It really helps people find the podcast. Uh, please consider supporting us on Patreon. And you can do that by going to patreon.com 
backslash close the door. And thank you to all of the people who are Patreon supporters. And a personal thank you to our guests who helped me get through this, especially to Dramas, who was a literal last-minute replacement. <laughs> I could not have done this without you guys. You did a great job. You did good. Yay. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, everybody.